0: Good evening, folks, and welcome to the latest edition of the JersNet podcast, which is the independent radio podcast made for by fans, for fans, and remember, all content is free. You can obviously get it on our forums, articles, social media, um, and podcasts here at Gersnet, over at on online on Twitter and at www.jersnet.co.uk. Um, just a little message before we get into it from our sponsors, firstly, um, that's Forest Precision Engineering, who are a subcontracted Glasgow-based engineering company, and they've been a big commercial supporter of Rangers for many years, and we're of course honoured that they're backing a podcast, you can get them over at www forestprecisioneng.com and don't forget you can also visit the Forest Precision Executive Lounge a stunning new hospitality area within the historic main stand at Ibrox for information on how to book this unique and intimate space you can email the club via hospitality at rangers.co.uk um, and my name is of course Craig Gregor, host for this evening joined uh, by Ian Duff and Brian Archer it's the first time that um, myself and Brian um, have been on a pod together so um, it'll be good to see um, that happen tonight. Obviously um, it is a very poignant moment um, f- for the country as a whole um, let's face it before we start um, we do want to pay tribute to Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II who sadly passed away a couple of days ago um, and everyone at net, of course wishes um, the royal family all the best and gives them all our condolences and condolences to the country. I think, um, you know, I think the last few days you've certainly seen a united country and um, probably for the first time in my life and um, we've seen how Brexit and independence and other politics the last few years has divided us all but I think for the most part, Um, We've seen the last few days of country uniting together, which I think is um, a positive that we can take from it all anyway. Um, But as they say, life does go on and indeed it goes on for Rangers as well. And that's what we're here to talk about. Um, Obviously, there was no game yesterday um, because of um, everything that happened with Her Majesty. Um, Ian, I'll start with you. Personally, I think it was the right decision to call off at least the games at the weekend. Um, but from a footballing point of view, forgetting everything else that's going on, it was probably the best thing for us as well. I think. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, you certainly you don't want to uh, sort of,
1: you
2: know, be celebrating that fact. But you know, the the fact is that you know we were struggling, and I think getting into that game. Uh, if it went ahead yesterday, would have been uh, could have really you know, basically killed our season at that point because uh, you know we we're obviously on a down and uh, a game against Aberdeen at Pitodry is just exactly the sort of game we don't really want when we're in that and they've been right out for it and um, you know it would appear that we aren't really up for it at the moment so uh, so yeah so uh, you know not the the circumstances in any way that you would want it to happen. But you know, the fact that the game wasn't on was probably turned out not to be a particularly bad thing from our point of view.
0: Yeah, and, and and Brian, I mean, coming on to you, I think a lot of people would have said that after the humbling at Celtic Park, you know, you want a big game to get over over it. You know, we thought that was going to be the Ajax game and that never happened. And a lot of people might be saying that about the game that was going to go ahead yesterday that right after a four 0 humiliation at Ajax yeah. You know, you're wanting a big game like that to sort of immediately step back up and and get points on the board. But you know, if you're not going to get that reaction at Ajax, I mean, how are you going to get it at Petardry?
1: Nah, I think probably the one place you don't want to go after two four nil humblings is um, Petardry right now. I think they would have been out for blood. Um, I can just picture it in my mind—the kind of late tackles, the elbows flying in—and I just can't see how this Rangers team would have would have been up for that at this present moment. Um, So I think from a footballing point of view, it probably wasn't the worst thing for the Rangers team not to be playing that game.
0: Yeah, and of course we will um, go on to that game on Tuesday against Ajax. Obviously we've not had the chance with everything that's happened to to actually go over that. Um, You know, start with you just in the first half, for me, it was a complete carbon copy of that first half um, of the Celtic game at Parkhead. I think the biggest difference being, and possibly the most worrying difference, is, is that Ajax, you know, despite being a far better side than Celtic, obviously, did not come out with the intensity that Celtic do, and were more suited to playing those sort of technical players tactically, if that kind of makes sense in Europe against Ajax. And it just seemed that the individual basic mistakes we were just weren't getting right. I mean, the first goal, people will have their opinions about zonal marking. I don't like it, but, you know, it's just modern football, I suppose. But for me, Goldson, he's not picking up his man. It looks like him and Tavernier are both trying to hug Bassey from behind as if they wanted some sort of, like, reunion from when they were playing together last season. Um, and then you lose a goal from that. So for me, it was just very similar to that game at Celtic Park.
2: Uh, well, I mean, I'm going to start by saying I didn't see the game on Tuesday night. I'm glad yeah, what, to say. So I'm I'm probably the, uh, the the both the best and the worst person to ask about. It. I mean, but from what I've heard, you know, it sounds as if the game followed exactly, or like you say, very similar uh, a sort of path to the the Celtic game the the weekend. And you know that that is the worrying thing because you know, Ajax obviously are a team that you. We we could lose, you know, heavily to Ajax anytime, you know, and, and anyone could. I mean, the Napoli Liverpool game is a good example where Liverpool are a you know top class team and they get absolutely uh, trounced by uh, by Napoli. So so that these results happen. But the trouble is, it's it's the context of where it's happening, you know. If it was a one-off and we we're doing well domestically then you could say well you know that's just what it, what it is but it seems to be following a pattern so the, the Celtic game the the weekend was probably bad luck that we had that game going right into the Champions League it's highlighted the fact but you know we've not looked particularly impressive at all this season uh even even in the European games we've not looked brilliant I and mean, we did well against PSV but, but overall the performances haven't been Amazing, and I think that's you know that's the concern, and that's you know it's not just a one-off. You know we we, we lost heavily to teams like Ajax and Juventus and and others uh, in in the nineties under Walter Smith. Um, at least then, at that point, we were doing well domestically. We were saying that before we came on here, and, and you know. At this point, we're not even doing well domestically. We're not even doing particularly well against the lesser teams domestically, but you know, in the big game that really matters, we were sadly wanting. So there's obviously lots of concerns there, and we'll come, I'm sure we'll come on and discuss them in a bit more detail, but yeah, I think. I think there's there's obviously worrying signs, and I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't see the game. But uh, I, I, it's, uh, I can't imagine it was an awful lot better or worse there, uh, than, than the, the game of the weekend, so I've already suffered.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've, we've suffered twice over this week with the two results. I mean, Brian, look, as I said earlier to Ian, for me it's individual mistakes, it's, stuff that, it's literally schoolboy stuff and that is a cliché but if you look at the game last Saturday uh, against Celtic, the first goal, Kent dilly-dallying, you know trying to do step overs instead of just clearing these lines and then when the throw-in gets taken, moaning about, about it not being our throw-in, um, you know, we can go on for all the goals to be honest because they were all individual mistakes I, I would say maybe apart from the um, the third one. but. Again, even you know, even the Ajax game, as I say, that first goal, where is not picking up his man, the second goal, um, it's Belkhouse that scores. It's a deflection. I understand that the deflection and the actual goals unlucky, but you're asking the questions why are they even in that, you know, that position in the first place? I mean, it looks like I, I just watched the the highlights back there before we came on. It looks like Tillman could have maybe, you know, put in a foot. Before Berghaus was getting away to go through on goal. And in the third goal, you've got the, uh, the Ajax player running down the wing, you know, at breakneck speed going by Tav. And, you know, for me, Tav should just take him out, um, you know, take the yellow. Oh, well, I mean, lucky we're playing in Europe because if, you know, he made that challenge in Scotland and Molly Coleman was the ref we go out of sending off for him. But, I mean, it's just basic mistakes, Brian
1: it is yeah it's just as you say it's schoolboy stuff it's not switching on at it throw-ins it's complaining at the referee when you get back getting back in position i mean for Celtic second goal Kent gives them the ball back and then just kind of ambles about and you're like just kick the ball away and then get back in position and pick up your men and but it's just it's it's basic stuff it's the worrying thing it's like you can you can sometimes accept not accept but you can understand getting beat by more technically gifted teams like Ajax or by, you know, teams that are faster than you or have got more money. But see, when you're just not doing the basics right and it's just, you're causing your own problems, that's when you really start to question the manager, the players, and just everything that's going on just now. Um, I don't want to talk about the game on Wednesday, but the one thing I want to see is just us getting back to basics. Just, you know, show a bit of heart, show a bit of desire, you know, put a tackle in, put, you know. Put your foot in, leave, leave one on somebody. Just just do something to show something, and show that you've you're still up for this. Because right now it just looks like don't want to see it. But it looks like the players are just going through the motions at times. It doesn't seem to be any joy in in the play. They're not playing fast, or there's no combination play or one twos. It all just looks a bit laboured and a bit like they would rather be doing anything else.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with you, Brian, and, and also as well, you know, moving on to the second half. Um, we made three changes at half time. I think the Tondo, um, Jack and Leon King came on. For Leon King, saw it again. I don't think he's put a foot wrong any time that he's played for us, um, so far this season. Um, and I know you never seen the game, Ian, but we will just try and improvise anyway. Um, you know. The last goal, which I'm sure you've probably seen, it's a full back pass from from Jack. Um, And obviously the um, the Ajax player runs in, runs McLaughlin um, and he scores. You know, one thing that I did like, if you can use that word loosely, about Jack is that as soon as he gives the ball away, he puts his hands up with much responsibility. And even in his interview after the game, he also had responsibility. Now, I know that doesn't quite make up for the goal, but, you know, that, that is the type of leadership that I want to see, you know, for me too many times. And this isn't even just about the game the last couple of games. I think Goldson's very, very, you know, good at this is when a goal goes in, it's his fault or he should have been putting up his man. The first thing he like to do is blame somebody else. You know, it's it's a midfielder in front of him, it's his partner, it's centre-back, however it might be in that day. So, you know. Is that something that you would like to see more of at least if we are going to make mistakes players you know actually rolling up to it and saying what we talked to basically
1: yeah I mean you've
2: got it haven't you I mean you you know if if you've made a mistake that's led to something that's uh, you know turned out to be a goal or, or whatever then you've got to put your hands up you've got that's that's the bare minimum we expect and you know I would expect a experienced professional to do that as a matter of course and, and if they're not doing that then you've got to question the, the you know their mentality and you know what's going on there Um, and you know to be honest this is a I feel that has been a pattern over over a few years to be honest uh, some of the players have just uh, have not you know maybe taken this sort of responsibility because you know the season we won the league you know, everyone was up and there was no need for it. But but previous to that there was, you know there was a lot of talk about players, you know, not, not wanting to uh, uh put their hands up and make you know admit they've done wrong or, or uh in some early last season. So yeah, it's a bare minimum. Of course I Um you, you mentioned uh Leon King and, and I thought I mean, I didn't obviously see the game, but you know, I've heard that he had a good game. And when I've seen him playing, I th- I've always thought he was good. And that, that surprises me that last season he never really got a chance because at times last season we were struggling at centre back because of injuries and and, and so on, and uh, and he never even got looking really at, at all at any point last season until the very end of the season. So I'm um, if there is a silver lining at all. Uh, if he comes through and, 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 and makes a more of a an impression this season then that would be definitely a, a positive but yeah I mean I, I think you know there seems to be from the outside I and mean, you can never tell really what's going on in a dressing room you make your own assumptions but looking at it from the outside there does seem to be big issues there, there seems to be problems whether it's coming from the coaching side of things or whether it's coming just within the players or a combination of the two I don't know what I don't know exactly what's going on but, but it looks to me as if there's there's they're not they're not all singing from the same hymn sheet at all, and they're not uh, they're not not all got that t- togetherness that you would expect a team because when we play against a team like Ajax, you're going to we've got far inferior players. Like we'll be honest about that across the board, our squad is nowhere to be as good as their squad for a million reasons. What we can do is have the unity, the togetherness, the, the fight, and all that those sort of cliche things. That, that took us to the final of the Europa League last season and uh, and and that's what we have in our favour or we should have in our favour. If we don't have that, then we're going to go out and get gubbed like that every time against these better players. So that's the worry, you know, if that is underlying and that's happening, wh- wherever that's coming from, then, you know, it needs to be addressed as, as a matter
0: of urgency when it comes to these big games. No, absolutely. And, you know, there is a lot of problems on the pitch, but, you know, a lot of problems off the pitch as well. Um, and that's sort of coming on to my next point about the CTM shambles um, of uh, the day trip, um, which I just thought was a complete, you know, joke. To be honest, from the club and DTM, um, I think the day trip cost about seven hundred pounds. Which I mean, you know, <laughs> a day trip to Amsterdam for seven hundred quid. I mean, geez oh. Um, I think that tells you all you need to know. That doesn't even include your match ticket or like an overnight hotel or anything like that. That's literally just a flight there and back. Um, so initially, uh, the flight was going from Glasgow to Amsterdam the day trip. Wonderful. Then I think about three or four days before, um, there was no communication at all from CTM. And then and um, they basically got in contact with fans saying that it was now going to Brussels and then it would be a two and a half hour journey from Brussels to Amsterdam. Um, and then I think the day before, sorry, two days before the trip, um, it wasn't from Glasgow to Brussels. Um, well, it was sorry, but coming back, you weren't going back from Brussels to Glasgow, you were going from Brussels to Press Week, which is obviously about 45 minutes away from Glasgow. Um, and then the day before the game, it got cancelled completely Um, and obviously the fans were refunded um, at the point when the trip was still going ahead um, because of the inconvenience the club did offer I think £300 um, you know sort of a partial refund Um, I believe they offered them guaranteed tickets for the Liverpool game at Anfield as well and also a complimentary screening of the game um, in Bar 72 Um, but at the end of the day it seems that there's been a lot of issues with these day trips before and this is the first time it seems that the club has actually ever went out the way to try and compensate fans now you know that compensation isn't going to be anywhere near enough for fans that booked overnight accommodations at airports and trans uh, transfers to airports and stuff like that um but again it's just like the communication aspect of us i mean we've had a we've had a lot of issues with us recently from the club where the communication off the pitch in terms of certain issues it's just not there Um, and it's just like like we understand that mistakes happen Brian but you know you're just wanting that communication to be better from the club aren't you?
1: Yeah I mean this is just a complete and utter failure of communication As you said I mean you know I think now the Rangers have said they're going to investigate it but I think they need to once that investigation's happened communicate out the findings so when did rangers know when did ctm tell rangers that there was problems so who's who's it fault here is it ctm not telling rangers or is it rangers knowing and not communicating that to the fans but either way it's been a complete and utter shambles um and just badly handled and it's just another one of those things that gets added on to the issues um you know everyone's a bit kind of not happy with rangers now won the park or not happy that we're not spending money and i was bottom day and the deadline day and then this is just another thing that gets lumped on um you know good performances on the park cover up all this in the main and, and we're not getting that now and that's why these issues are kind of flaring up and um just not helping things but for me it's a basic communication just be a bit more transparent with the fans and i think that's something rangers aren't particularly good at uh, a number of issues not just this they don't seem to like to just say to see the fans, this is what's happening, this is why it's happening and this is what we're going to do about it. Um, and I don't know why that's the case, I'm pretty sure Rangers have got a comms team there. Um, so I'm not sure why they're not particularly transparent or direct with fans but I think it's something that needs needs sorting out.
0: No it absolutely does Ian. I mean I think the, the sort of biggest issue for me out with the sort of communication aspect is You know, you even look at the ticket prices for the Champions League, which I thought were just way, way overboard, to be honest. And the fact is that Rangers now are are offering, they're supposedly offering a premium product, a premium service at premium prices. But it seems that the only part that they're offering is the premium prices and not the premium product or the premium service on or off the park.
2: Yeah, I mean, as as ever, uh, fans get the, uh, the shitty end of the stick, don't they? That's that's basically it. I mean, it's it's always been the case, I suppose, and and, and it it gets sort of when when big figures or numbers uh, in terms of costs come into the equation, then it just make, highlights it even more, and it just makes it you know, you know, the, the 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 Champions League ticket prices, I suppose, you can argue the toss whether it's it's what The going rate is or not. I mean, I I don't know enough uh, about what other clubs are charging uh, around Europe, and that's difficult to make a judgment call on. And Rangers or anyone who charges that will say at the end of the day, if they sell out, then you know they're justified in charging that. Which I don't think is a fair argument, but that you know that's probably the, the the way they'll look at it and say if people pay it, then you know. Uh, that, that's right i mean i remember in the good back to the 90s again you know the, the, the there was a huge outcry about the ticket prices for the, the the very early champions league games and you know can't remember what it was but it was probably something like 40 quid for a, a package of three tickets or something like that and but but what happened was the fans voted with their feet they they, they didn't sell the tickets stadium if you look back at some of that footage from sort of 95 96. Some of, the, or 94, the, some of the games, the, the stadiums were, you know, there was 35,000 in there for Champions League games. And that was because the prices were too high and people said, right, we're just not going to pay it. If people do pay it now, if fans pay it, then, you know, they'll, they'll be encouraged to do the same again next time. So maybe we should be thinking as fans, well, we're not going to take this anymore. We're not going to pay that money. But that's really difficult to, to tell somebody not to Go to the game, you know, they want to go to the games. So, you know, it's, it's, you've almost got a captive audience there. So, but as usual, as I say, fans are are always at the bottom of the pile when it comes to uh, consideration. And it's long been the case. And, you know, there's no sort of obvious sign of that happening, uh, changing anytime soon. But, you know, it's partly communication, but it's also partly judgment and who you get, do your uh, commercial. Deals with as well, and if you if if there are problems, if there's been problems in the past, similar problems, then Rangers should be looking at that and saying, "Well, do we really want to work with these people? Have they got the capacity to do what they are promising to do? Uh, And if if not, then we ditch them and go with someone else." I mean, that should apply whether it's kit suppliers, whether it's uh travel uh companies or, or or whatever then you know you have to assess it what are they doing are they doing a good job if they're not doing a good job for our customers which is the fans then uh, then we get rid of them and, and we find somebody better or we do
0: ourselves or whatever mm-hmm. no absolutely I, th- I think as well you know obviously you're saying that about fans voting with our feedback then i think nowadays that we, we seem to be more now that season ticket culture seems to be the biggest it's ever been. In the sense that you look at some of the games now, Ibrox has sold out every game since we have came back um, into the top flight. Even when we we're below, you know, the, the only games really that weren't getting sold out was the the one in the championship under the Spuds, And that was for, you know, obvious reasons off the part where it was a, a real, real, real shambles. Like nowhere, you know, nowhere. This right now is nowhere near as bad as it was back then. But that, that's the thing as well. As Rangers fans, you know, we, we expect the best and we want the best and we want the best for all the club. So, you know, a lot of people might think, well, you know, fans are moaning about maybe we things, or, you know, look at where we were a few years ago, blah blah. But at the end of the day, it's, you know, okay, that, that might be true, but you want to improve, you want to get better every day. That's what Rangers are supposed to be all about. We're not supposed to stand still, we're supposed to keep moving. I think um, that's the
2: problem. I, you know, I think, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but I mean, I think. I think part of the problem we've got here is that because things were so bad before there's almost a sort of attitude of saying well you know look how bad it was you know we should just be grateful for what we've got just now and, and stop stop complaining or or whatever or you know but that that's exactly the opposite to what we should be doing we should be saying well look how bad things got before. Let's not let anything like that happen again. Let's nip it in the bud now, because these, you know, I'm not saying that the, you know the the current board is any anything like that, and I'm not saying that that's the slippery slope you're on. But when things start to go wrong, if you don't, if you let them slip. If you let one thing go, then somebody else, somebody will let something else go. And where do you, where does it end? And then before you know it, you know you're, you know the, the current people have gone, and somebody else has come in, and and they have no sort of qualms about uh, just ripping people off, you know, openly, which is what was happening before. So, you know, we we have to as as a fan base stand up and be counted. Now, I'm not saying that people should boycott games by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm saying that you know. It's quite right for people to complain and to to make a song and dance about it and, and shout about these things when they go wrong. Because if if uh, if we don't, then
0: you know, we, who knows where we'll find ourselves in the future. No, absolutely. And uh, moving back onto the pitch after um, the game on Wednesday, I was sort of very interested in Gio's comments in the press conference where, um, you know beforehand he was saying he was very pleased with the squad that we had and then afterwards um he was saying that you know in order to compete at champions league level we need to spend you know i think he said hundreds of millions of pounds i might be misquoting there and if i do i do apologize but um i mean that it's like i don't know how in one hand they can be happy with the squad that he's got and then on the other say that you know um we need hundreds of millions of pounds to compete in the Champions League. And I mean, that's after I game against Ajax who, despite being obviously a top, top team, you know, it's not the hardest group in the, hardest game, sorry, in the group that we're going to face on paper anyway, Brian. So just wondered um, to see sort of your thoughts on the comments as well.
1: I think for me... With those comments, he's kind of wanting to have his cake and eat it, you know, he said a couple of days prior that he had no regrets in the transfer market, but now after a 4-0 defeat, he's saying, oh, we can't possibly expect to compete, we need hundreds of millions, but we've also just asked all our fans to fork out somewhere between 150 to £180. Pounds. For the tickets, and we've not spent any of that money in the transfer window. Um, Now, for me, some of these comments had some merit. Take if you take them out of context, you know, if you look at it in the cold light of day, teams from countries like Scotland aren't supposed to get in the Champions League. You know, if you want to be realistic about it, UEFA probably don't want teams from countries outside of Scotland in their Premier competition. They see us as Europa League teams, um, and nothing more. And you know, I think. The lesson we learned from the other night was it is a massive step up, but I just think, in context of the previous game before and these comments before the IAS game, it's just a bad look. You can't come out and say that stuff. You've got to read the room a bit better and kind of go, you know, right, well, that might be true in the cold light of day. You know, you just need to kind of read the room and know. What not to say, and I think he's just he's dropped the ball a bit. do you? I think his communication is usually pretty decent in the press. I think his press comments are usually pretty decent, and he gets most things spot on. But I think with that, when he dropped the ball, mm-hmm.
2: no, I kind I, of disagree. Sorry, I disagree with you, but okay. I, I agree that maybe he shouldn't have said that there was a you know, in the context of you know, after these defeats, maybe complaining about it is, is maybe it's. Just sounds like sell grapes in some ways, but I do think that I think you can have, I think you could, you can argue quite easily that he was happy with his squad, but also agree that we're we're never going to be able to uh, compete at the Champions League level because on finances and and, and the players, that the squad that we've got, he's happy with the squad, but that is in the context of uh, domestic football and and and, and whatever. What where I would say, say I'm less impressed by it is, is whether or not he's happy with his squad. I mean, I think you know that that's where I would disagree, I and mean, I don't think the squad's anywhere near good enough for the domestic uh, level, never mind for uh, Champions League. So whether he's happy with it or or not, I I don't I don't understand why he would be happy with it. Is what I'm saying in the first place. Uh, I think I think that applies. But also the Champions League is clearly out of our reach in terms of uh, in terms of finances. So, I think I think the two things can you could you could say the two things. But I don't understand how he could say the first one in the first place because I think it's all the crap. Because I don't I don't believe he's happy with that squad. I don't see how I don't see how he could have looked at that squad at any point this season and said you know I think we you know we've got a good team here we're we're doing well and, and you know I'm quite happy. I, if there's money to be spent. If there is money to be spent that he didn't spend, it worries me because I question his judgment on that. Because I would say there's no way that anybody sensible will look at that squad and say, "Ah, oh, it doesn't need any more money spent on it at all," because it's absolutely as good as it's going to get. That's where I think he's wrong. But I think I think if he genuinely believes genuinely that, I think it's fair enough for him to say that and say, you know, that we can't compete at the Champions League level as well.
1: I think those comments would have looked less bad if we were ripping it up domestically and sweeping on before. Well this. Right, exactly. That's, yeah. that's not been the case. I mean, going by his kinda comments, then you know, if we need hundreds of millions to compete in the Champions League, then based on our budget compared to of like, Hibs, for example, we should be absolutely annihilating yeah. them and we should yeah, have been screen up before that referee was even a factor and we weren't. And that for me that's where I've got the bigger issue with Geo is domestically. I think European wise this season, you know it's. It, I think I think we're all kind of like, and it's good to be there, kind of. You know, nobody would really. I think when the PSV draw came out, I think everybody acknowledged it would be a tough task and a big ask for us to get there. And now we're there. And when the group stage came out, I think people were realistic in thinking. You know, Europa League was probably the best we could get. But I think my main issue with Gio was domestically. I don't. I think his his tactics and his style of play don't suit the domestic game and i think for me that was what those comments kind of annoyed me more was because I'm saying we are sitting saying that but you're not exactly pulling up any trees domestically
0: no exactly i mean again for me it comes down to communication ironically because the thing is as fans we don't know what's going on you know we don't know what's going on in the dressing room what's going on in the boardroom i mean and fairness there's an argument to it should we really know i mean it's not really our place um, to know what's going on sometimes but at the same time we care about the club and we want, we want what's best for the club I mean I, I put a wee note down here that um, you know he's obviously said that he's happy with the squad but do we know if he's just saying that to maybe protect people above him whether that is Ross Wilson or the board and we need to realise as well that Ross Wilson and the board have got two completely sort of different functions where you know I think Ross Wilson will get a lot of slack for you know either not spending money correctly or, you know, not spending money at all. But if there wasn't any funds that were made available to the manager, that's not Ross Wilson's fault. That's that's the board's fault for not allowing those funds. It's not Ross Wilson that, that controls the budget. What you can say about someone like Ross Wilson is well, why are you spending four million on Davies who's hardly kicked the ball? Why are you spending four million on Yelmaz who's hardly kicked the ball? I mean I know he's more of a project player, but You know, Davies has came in to make an instant impact, even Matondo as well. He has a sort of, I would say, in between Davies and and Yilmaz in the sense that he has a project player, but you also need him to sort of come in and and hit the ground running because he was brought in, I think, as a right winger, um, because that was the position that we were struggling with. But it seems that he's more comfortable out on the left. And now you've got Haren, Kent, Sakala. And it seems like once again the only thing I've got is Scott right, but for me, Ian, it's like either way, it's not good because if he is happy with the squad, then that's not good because I think we can all tell that that squad isn't good enough. But then if he isn't actually happy with the squad, then he's just saying that to protect people above him. And that's also not a good thing. So it's kind of it's a lose lose in my opinion, regardless of what way he actually does think. Yeah, I mean. <sighs>
2: None of us really know. I suppose as as you say, I mean, that's that is part of the problem. We don't know whether funds are available, and I understand why managers they've got to be careful what they say. They don't want to they don't want to say something that's going to drop their boss in it or f- drop themselves in it. And so they quite often they'll just say this sort or of, uh, come out with this sort of platitudes and and whatnot. And know, yeah, I understand that, and I I don't really get too bothered about that. It's not so much what they say, but but. If they genuinely believe that the squad is good enough, and there was money available to spend that wasn't spent, either through his choice or through the, 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 the director of football's choice, then that is a concern. I mean, you know, even the players we have signed, you know, we've got a whole. You know, how many of them have been regular starters for one reason or another this season? You know, you know, two maybe uh, out of the seven or whatever we we, we signed. Um, and you could look back, you know, we're, we're still looking at the players. I think I read something somewhere saying uh, that uh, nine of the squad that played uh, on Saturday against Celtic were there uh, in 2019. I don't know if that's right, it's something along those lines. Uh, Whereas Celtic had three left in their squad from from those times. So. You know, I mean, there's two ways of looking at that. I suppose you know, get continuity, and if the players are doing well, then fine, that's great. But it, clearly, that's not necessarily the case. So, you know, we 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 don't necessarily need to know what the budgets are and all that sort of stuff. But we need to know whether you know, that all that money that's been raised, where's it going? Is it? Are we going to be building a, a, a new team? Or are we sort of make patching up sort of players that perhaps have already reached their peak? I, I think we were talking last season, um, on the podcast about the, the squad and that they'd reached their peak at uh, winning the league at 55. And that that was the time, you know, quite often, you, you know, teams sort of start off with a league win and then they sort of build on that. But I think that team had had reached their peak and that was the time to sort of start splitting them up and, and rebuilding it for a, for a new team and that has not happened and it didn't happen last season and it's not happened this season so you know there's you know, for me there's there's you know serious concerns about how the how the money's been spent and if you know and how whether any money is going to be spent again on players and whether who, who whether the judgment of the people who are, who are making those decisions as well who, uh, whether it be ross Wilson or uh, van Bronckhurst or, or
0: or whoever. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I think that's um, a good few points there, especially in terms of you know what you touched on with um, the squad coming to its peak. I think you know, I mean hindsight's a wonderful thing. You know, I don't think t- to be honest we weren't actually terribly bad last season domestically. You know, we get eight nine points, which for I think eight out of the last ten seasons would have been enough to win the league. It was just that Celtic were more consistent. On the flip side of that though, you say, well, if Celtic have been that consistent, then we should be that consistent as well, because we've got as good a squad, if not a better squad, done them on paper. Well, certainly we should have had last season with the rebuild that they were going through. Um, but obviously that wasn't the case. And um, just a reminder, guys, as well, um that you can um get this podcast on all your usual podcast providers, such as Google, iTunes and spotify and just thank everyone again for for watching this live on youtube and just before we go into our our next point just want to give you our message from um, our sponsors zenith coins which is the official rangers club coin copy and each gold-plated coin has a unique serial number engraved on the outer rim and it comes complete with a rangers presentation box and a certificate of authenticity Good to get that out in the end. (laughs) And you can join fellow Rangers legends and fans like Ali McCoy, Derek Johnson, Malvin Andrews, Tom Stokeman, Gordon Ramsay, just to name a few, and own your official club coin. And the main part is the part that we all love, you can get a wee bit of money off as well. You can get 10% off your purchase by using the code GN10. And the promo box that is the code GN10 and you can get 10% off your Zenith Rangers coin. Um, Obviously, I've been talking about the last week, but um, we've got a game to to look forward to or maybe not look forward to Um, on Wednesday now. um, First and foremost, obviously, it's Napoli at home. Um, It was due to take place on Tuesday, um, but because of the... um, Sort of policing and security arrangements which regarding uh, between SAG passing, um, the game's been moved to the Wednesday because of policing resources apparently um, obviously that means that a lot of people probably won't be able to go. Well, maybe not a lot of people won't be able to go but some people might have had plans etc etc I think the interesting part from this, um, rather than the fixture change date, is the fact that no away fans will be allowed in um, on Tuesday Wednesday sorry, and um, because of the potential um sort of increase to i don't know you would need more police a, a bigger police presence there i suppose um caveat as that, is, is that unfortunately when we go over to naples at the end of october um we won't have any fans there as well and um, brian what was your sort of takes on that first of all the the date of the game being changed um and also um you know the fact that there's not going to be any away fans allowed in um, either way.
1: Um, I mean, I think it's obviously disappointing for our fans. I think a lot of them would have booked up to go to Naples. Um, I'm hoping that they're going to be sort of compensating in some way. I've seen a few of them say, you know, they've already booked hotels and travel and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that, you know, any fans that's already kind of spent money managed to get that all refunded. Um, I think on this one, we're obviously not, Involved in the conversations between Rangers and Police Scotland, and you know, it's involved. Uh, I'm guessing this is all just down to police resource, and um, they don't have enough resource on the Tuesday night because of the, um, the everything going around um, going on around um, the Queen. And then I'm guessing on the Wednesday night, they've got enough resource to police the game, but not the additional resource they would need to police it with away fans. I think, um, I'm guessing that's well, that's. Um, why that's come into play so i think we probably just need to take that at face value it's disappointing for our friends because i think we would have t- taken quite a few over to naples as we do anywhere we go um but i think on this one we probably just need to take that at face value
0: yeah it is disappointing i think i mean this isn't an apple podcast obviously but i think you've really got to feel for their fans um who you know would have been travelling probably starting from today, maybe going in tomorrow for the game on Tuesday. Um and if you can imagine if it was on the way around town Raging Rangers fans would have been like two days before the game um, and then that happening and um, we would have been raging about it. So um but I suppose these things happened. I mean, I was I was thinking about going to Naples and um, I did get the week book off, uh, booked off work um, so I'm going to have a week off work when I've done nothing but I've seen on Skyscanner that there's return flights for Edinburgh to Budapest be for like 30 quid the week of the game so I I might just do that instead but um, in terms of the actual g- um, game, game itself Ian, I mean clearly, clearly we need a massive performance here, I mean look We'll try and be positive. We'll try and say that we can still get out of the group in some way, whether that's third place or second place. It's highly unlikely as I think that is, but I suppose we still need to be positive in some way. Um but Napoli they're not going to be an easy game at all. Top of Serie A. They hammered Liverpool um last week. Um, you know, do you think we can get a result on on Wednesday you, actually as well? Do you think it's maybe a must-win game to try and to try and progress from the group in some way as well?
2: Well I think if we we're going to try and progress from the group then yeah it would be a must-win game but I mean I, to be honest I don't even for the you know as soon as the draw was made I didn't think there was any chance of us getting out of the group to qualify for the next uh, stage of Champions League. I mean I thought third place I, I thought it was highly unlikely as well to be perfectly honest I mean you know I, and you know, nothing that we've seen since has uh, has changed my view on that at all. So, I I, I have no real uh, hope. I have no real hopes or expectations that we would get out of the group at all. That said, uh, and I mean the thing is, you just don't know really how how things might pan out. You know, with the crowd behind them, if the players are in in the right. Uh, Mindset. If if they're ready, if, got, if they feel they've got something to prove, if we just get out there and just go for it, you know, who knows? You know, I mean, it's it's not impossible. Um, you would think it's unlikely, to be perfectly honest. Like, I mean, let's let's be brutally honest about it. They're on paper a much better team than us, but we were talking about earlier about unity and togetherness and and fight and all that sort of stuff. All those cliches. That's what we need. You know, we need all that to come to the fore. It's not always enough, you know. To be honest, if if the other team is better than you, then sometimes you have to put your hands up and just say they're better than us, and that might end up being the case on Wednesday. But uh, you know, the very least we expect is for the players to go out there and and you know, give their all and and you know, don't leave a single thing on the pitch. Just get out there, just do do what they can. And we've seen results last season in the Europa League that you would not have expected. Uh, Now this is maybe asking a little bit more, but you know, nonetheless. You know, we, we beat Dortmund last season. Let's not forget that. Dortmund are a top team. You know, they're a Champions League quality team, uh, and we beat them. Uh, we knocked them out. Uh, beat RB Leipzig. They're a top team quality, uh, you know, Champions League standard team. So we can do it, but I think you know, if we're going to be realistic about it, it'll be really difficult. But if we're going to do it, we'll do it to Ibrox, we'll do it with the crowd behind the, t- the players and the players up for it. That's, you know, if, at the very least, That's if, if that happens and we don't win or we don't get a point, then, you know, I'll be less angry than I would have been if we uh, were going to be sort of capitulate, uh, you know, mildly. You know, that, that's what I'm asking.
0: Mm, no, absolutely. And I think that the fans are going to be a big a big factor in this, um, in terms of us possibly getting the result or not. I mean, you know, one one good thing you would say about not having any fans over there is that they're not going to have any away fans here, and that does mean that it's going to be literally fifty thousand Rangers fans, um, and you won't get that in Naples because, as you know, as much as their fans are are mental, um, you know, there's not an awful lot, a lot uh, an awful lot of them because they never actually sell out their stadium. Um, but you know, Ibrox, I think tickets have have been put back up and sale over um the last day or so. Um and I know Ibrox will be sold out. Um but Brian, I mean obviously as seen touched on it's gonna be a really, really difficult game. Um I was kind of in two minds over what team would be easier between Napoli and Ajax. Um because I think both in terms of maybe individual players are on a very similar level. Um you would maybe say that Ajax are, are a wee bit more consistent in Europe but you could say that maybe the reason that Napoli aren't is because of the quality and the standard of the league that they're in, which means that, you know, they're maybe not going to qualify for the Champions League every single year. Um, whereas it's obviously a lot easier for I actually do that in the Dutch League when maybe there's only two or three teams that are, um, that are you know, capable of doing that. I mean, how, how different do you think the game's going to be from, from last week? Maybe just in terms of the actual opposition?
1: I mean, having watched both... Ajax and Napoli last week they're both probably a step up from a lot of taking Dortmund aside, they're probably a step up from, from what we played last season, um, they're probably in terms of that, Dort- that Dortmund play, team we played on the night, I would say both Napoli and Ajax um, are probably playing better just now than that team we played so they're definitely a level above um, I was really impressed with Napoli and how they just took Liverpool apart, that's probably all I can say about it, is it was a complete kind of Annihilation of Liverpool's high line. Um, they they play with a quickness and a tempo, and they've got loads of speed on the break. They are a real real quality outfit. So I think if if we are going to get anything out of the game, I think you know Ibrock is going to need to come to the fore. I think the fans always play their part on European nights, um, but it's going to need a real real top performance from the Rangers team. Um, they're going to need to just put everything on the line and. And go for it. Um, and even that might not be enough because they are a real, real top outfit. I think having seen one game now played in this group for all the teams, I think we all thought it would be Liverpool top of the group. I'm not so sure now, to be honest. I, I was really impressed by Ajax in that play last week. Um, so we've got, it's definitely a big ask, but nothing's impossible.
0: No, you're right, nothing is impossible. And that, that's kind of a good segue into our next message from our sponsors just before we wrap up, because um, it is a football prizes competition and uh, you can go over to the Twitter page at Jailsnet online to put your entries in. And the prize this week is another, you know, belter of a prize, let's be honest. It's this season signed away shirt um, with the Champions League patches on it as well. So as Brian says, nothing's impossible. So if you enter that competition, there is a possibility of you winning it. Um, but I think that's a good way to sort of um, wrap up um, on this Sunday, uh, sorry, um, not, not the podcast that we kind of do, uh, just positivity, but you yeah. know, that's what it's like, yeah, I mean, right. and, you know, just trying to take it. Thanks very much um, to Brian and Dean um, for joining me this evening, <laughs> thanks very much to the viewers at home, I've been Craig Ray and thanks very much for listening to this week's edition of the Net podcast, see you.